Welcome back, guys. It is in Canada with God time here on Faith FM, which means we're about to get into our Bible study, as we always do. Best part of the show right here. Hope that you are all still tuned in and listening and waiting. So last week we actually interviewed Nathan Brown, who is the author of this book called Advent, Hearing the Good News and the Story of Jesus' Birth. It is a 31-day December devotional. So the same way people get their little Advent chocolate calendar situation thingies, this can be a little book that you can have um, and you can just read through a chapter. Well, I mean, I guess we're partway in December now, but you can start wherever you'd like. You can smash it out. It's a really easy read. Um, and it's just looking about, um, yeah, just how incredible it was that Jesus really was born, became human, came into our earth. I love one of my favorite stories in there is the fact that they he kind of parallels that the story of Jesus' birth is also mentioned in Revelation. We don't often talk about that as a Christmas story, but if you want to, oh, right, it is, yeah. yes, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Uh huh. I was reading it and I was like, this is a good point. This is amazing because basically, I'm just going to give you guys a little spoiler about it because I just thought it was really cool. Um, so Revelation 12, right? Yeah, because you know he tells a story about one of his friends who is a great, amazing Bible storyteller. And this friend had a son who came up to him one day. He's like, oh, Dad, I don't want one of your boring Bible stories. I want adventures and dragons. And the, the friend is like, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take <laughs> you to Re- the book of <laughs> Revelation. Where do you think the idea of dragons originated uh-huh, from? Uh-huh. It originated in the Bible. That's where it came from. Yeah, but I've never thought about Like when I think Christmas story, that's never where I go. Anyway. You know, I've never taken a Christmas morning worship. Oh, but you could. From the book of Revelation. Mm. This year. Hey! This Christmas morning worship in the South Wales will feature Revelation, Revelation? chapter 12. <laughs> That's where we're going. You know that you, just uh, any excuse to go to Revelation and you've just given me one right there. So off we go. Revelation 12 is going to be amazing. If you've got questions about Revelation 12, we would love to hear your questions about Revelation 12. We will answer them between now and Christmas if you send them through to us mm. uh, for question of the day. So our number is 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Why don't you ask us something about the Christmas story mm. in the book of Revelation or the Christmas story in the book of Daniel? Oh, yeah, okay. So I just did an entire Christmas presentation for the end. Digital. Oh, yeah. Straight out of mm-hmm. Daniel, the prophecies of the Book of Daniel. Amazing. Wait, so this are we? Is it something that we you've already kind of started advertising? Can we yes. know more about it? So it's a, it's three part though. Isn't Here's it? the it's one. Three part. Yeah. Okay. Justin, Charissa, and myself, one each. Oh, nice. So you've done yes. your one. I've done my one. Are they all done? They're all done uh, next week. Oh, okay. So we can advertise this. Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, so get on it. Yes. Oh, man, you guys have smashed the the end stuff. Oh, the end has been so much fun. You have no idea. Mm. We have really been enjoying it. We've been enjoying so much all of the interaction that we've been having from all of our listeners. And with uh, He is the One, what we're going to be looking at is, you know, because it's obviously a Christmas theme, where Charissa's got a whole slew of Christmas prophecies, Mm. you know, going back a thousand years before Jesus was born. Nice. There's like 300 prophecies in there. You know, she doesn't cover 300 in (laughs) 28.5 minutes. Fair, fair. uh, But she hits some highlights, definitely hits some highlights. I go through a prophecy of Daniel. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is all about the coming of the Messiah. And then uh, what Justin does is he looks at, okay, who was Jesus? Mm. Was he a good man, Mm. a wise teacher? Was he 
an insane person? Yeah. <laughs> um, or was he, you know, because he is the most influential individual that has ever lived on planet Earth. And there's no argument that a Jesus existed. Oh, no. Like, there's no argument that he was a historical character. That's right. But who was he in that? Yes. Mm. Because of the claims that are made in the Bible, mm. is there any validity to the fact that he claimed to be the Son of God? Mm. You know, because I mean, yeah. he, he history pivots on the life of Jesus. Yes, you know, people people have come up with this uh, what this BCE. Oh yeah, <laughs> before Common, Common Era, Era. <laughs> what is which that? is just it, all it is is a way of acknowledging we are denying Jesus. Yep. Yep. So every time they say BCE, they are acknowledging Jesus Christ because uh-huh. yeah. it's like we have to we ha- we 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 don't believe, so we have to disacknowledge Jesus Christ. And, and doing in doing that, so, every time they do, <laughs> they remind everybody about Jesus Christ. Is just the best. I never use BCE. What on earth is BCE? Um, I always use Tell BCE. Tell us how you feel, Lyle. Tell us how you feel. Oh, BCE. <laughs> but I do like the fact that every time BCE is mentioned, it is reminding everybody, yes, just in case you're wondering, we are not talking about Jesus Christ, even though BCE is dated from the birth of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. But this is not Jesus Christ. This is the common era. Yeah, but what does that even Well, guess mean? who created the common era? Uh-huh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but you know what? I actually think this is a really important question to ask about who Jesus is because yes. I think particularly if you, you know, you, our listeners, or, you know, just me individually, it's all well and good. Well, no, I think it's really important, you know, to know um, if you believe in Jesus, that's awesome. Like, legit, I think that's awesome. I think Jesus is the best good man that I have ever come across in my life. However, if we're going to be engaging with people who have never heard of God or don't know really what that story is about or even just going, yeah, how can that be? I think just kind of having an understanding of how to articulate that and hear from different perspectives can be really helpful because, to be fair, it is a weird story. If you've grown up in a Christian context, you're like, yes, we know Jesus, son of God. No, it's actually pretty weird. It is. It's huge and it's amazing. And man, God is good that he would go through this journey with and for us. But it is weird that God becomes a human, you know? So I think. It's awesome. Oh, absolutely. But I think it's, you know, I know some people with Islamic faith and they, they, that's a big question they have. How can this be? Sure. If you're God, you can't have this. Mm -hmm. Um, I met a Jewish lady last year and her thing, she was like, no, 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 we don't. Jesus was not the son of God and, like, he was not the Messiah. And I was like, man, I don't know the prophecies enough. I mean, I know that they're there, but I'm like, but I just, Jesus Okay, is but isn't that weird really? I mean, hey, you've got uh, fantasy is full of these kind of concept, concepts. I mean, look at uh, look at Thor, for instance. He's a godlike figure who is the yeah. son of God who comes to earth Oh yeah, to help oh, human beings. Yeah, all of history is just littered with these kind of same this theme, yeah, this theme, this theme. This, this yeah. theme. Okay, history is littered with the theme of the Son of God coming to. Where did yeah. where did that originate from? Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> I <Yeah>. wonder. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. Originates from the gospel story and has just been, you know, uh, borrowed from there. That theme has been borrowed from there. It's like the great controversy theme, the great controversy between Christ and Satan, the great, mm. the great battle between good and evil. How many times has that theme been borrowed? By the entertainment industry oh, yeah. and by other religions, and it's just it's universal. You look at every superhero story ever. Yeah, that's right. Ever. <laughs> that's right. That's and, right. And they, there is something in our core mm. as human beings. It is hardwired into us mm. the great controversy thing. Yep. And you have so many stories. You know, it's either the fall from grace, like the people who start good become bad, 
or you have the redemptive aspect of the person who finds their way back into a place that, you know, they really shouldn't deserve, but they've been forgiven of their, you know, like there's so much This is the it. gospel story. It is. It this is. is the gospel story right here. Yeah. The gospel story just being told over and over and over uh-huh. again, but of course being corrupted by the devil. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it insidious, right? Because when you have so many of these stories thrown at you, the Bible gospel story just sounds like another one of those, you know? Yes. Like unless you have it's like some- Satan's attempt to just sort of obscure it. Yeah, of course. Oh, he doesn't want any of that getting out. Oh, there might be truth to this. Oh, no, don't have people believe that. You know one of my favourite Bible verses? that It says that even the demons believe and they, they tremble. Like Satan's not stupid. He knows us way better than we know, you know. Oh, we'll be back in just a second. We've had a like, nice little story time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So somebody texted in relationship to our earlier news stories and uh, particularly the, um, the the story on the anti-conversion bill mm. in Victoria, Daniel Andrews' war on religion. And uh, they just texted in to say the amazing thing is that the bill claims to do so for the benefit of the transgender community, while in fact it is for their destruction, turning um, good into evil mm. um, or evil into good. And what you've got there really, when you um, when you look at it, that's exactly what's happening because you've got people that are struggling with you know gender dysphoria, whatever it might be, and rather than providing treatment, we provide acceptance. Mm. And that's tragedy. Particularly for people who are the most vulnerable people in our society when it comes to uh, suicide, um, we don't provide treatment anymore. Mm. We just provide acceptance. Mm. And that is the greatest tragedy of our time. All right, let me see here. Let's go to our Bible study. Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 15. Oh, I can right up to Deuteronomy. That's fun. Yes. And we're going to have a bit of a, uh, a look at a bit of a theme here about, well, anyway, let's just see. Deuteronomy 16 verse 15. All right, I'm just going to say a really quick short prayer. Um, Lord God, I just thank you so much that we have this opportunity to together freely open your word. Um, yeah, just open our hearts and minds to your truth, God. Um, yeah, lead us in, um, yeah, just understanding more about who you are and what that means for us. Thank you for your goodness and hearing our prayers. Amen. So, Deuteronomy 16.15. Yes. For seven days you must celebrate this festival to honour the Lord your God at the place he chooses. For it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvests and give you success uh, in all your work. The festival will be a time of great joy for all. Yeah, your translation just doesn't quite (laughs) get there. Let me dig out the KJV and read it from a real Bible. So the festival. Mine says this is the festival of shelters. Booths. Okay. It's basically camp meeting. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yep. Be right up. It's basically everybody goes camping once a year and hangs out, mm-hmm. uh, which is absolutely amazing. I think every church should do this. Our church does it. Um, and you, of course, are welcome to come along. It's called, we call it Big Camp mm-hmm. because it's the whole church hanging out yeah. in a camp setting. Um, North New South Wales region has theirs at Stewart's Point, which is just the most gorgeous place on the planet, right on mm-hmm. the beach. It's just phenomenal. But, yeah, it doesn't matter where you are, Victoria, South Australia, Tasmania, Queensland, Western Australia, um, they'll all all have a big camp happening somewhere. Different times of year. Uh, possibly on a bit of a reduced kind of COVID safe. Yeah, oh. We didn't have one last year, of course. This year. Um, who knows what the 
um, plans will be in 2021. But I understand that they are going ahead. And they are the most amazing experiences. Just encourage every one of our listeners to look into it and to head along and to, uh, and to find out exactly what, you know, to be, to be a part of it. It will be something unlike you've ever done before. Uh, seven days shall you keep a solemn feast unto the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God shall, be, shall bless your increase. And in all the work of your hands, therefore you shall surely rejoice. Okay, so there's a couple of thoughts that uh, jump out in the KJV that you're not getting in the NLT right there, where the Bible here talks about the increase mm. of the work of our hands. So this is kind of following on from yesterday. It's kind of following on from yesterday. Yours focuses more on the harvest. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, but not everybody harvests food. Mm. You harvest food, but not that much. Yeah. Uh, you don't live by harvesting food. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, you live by, or you earn money by yeah, coming here and doing radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do the same. And so in many ways, people would look at you and I and say, well, you have a very cerebral job. This is not a job that you do with your hands. Yeah. But is it? Okay, let's say that we cut both of your hands off. Both You become a, a, a double am- hand amputee tomorrow. Wouldn't be a fun time. Wouldn't be a fun time. Would it affect your work here on Faith FM Radio? No, not particularly. Yeah? I mean, it'd be a bit annoying trying to open my Bible passages Uh with my hands. And researching your stories? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can you use a computer? Well, yep. (laughs) Bit annoying, yeah. So even even the people with the most cerebral jobs Mm. that you can imagine, our hands are still central to our work and... Mm as the KJV says, to our increase. Mm. So your increase is anything that you increase by. So you uh, you know, you and I increase when we get our wage mm-hmm. or our salary or whatever it might be. Other people increase, you know, in agrarian society that this was being written to. Primarily their increase was their harvest, but not exclusively. Yeah. There were many people who had jobs that involved nothing to do with harvest. You had an entire tribe, mm-hmm. the tribe of Levi, that was given cities and tithe, and theoretically they would never harvest. Mm. This is an agrarian society, and this is unheard of because they were the priestly class. They were the priestly people, and the work of the priesthood and the work of sharing the message, and they were the teachers and the academics for the entire nation. Name another nation that had that. Mm. You know, it's like one in 12 people is there for, you know, for education, for learning, for academic purposes, whatever it might be. They're not given any land at all. Mm. None. They're just given cities to live in and they're given food to live from. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty unique system, eh? Mm, 100%. Uh, so, you know, and you look back at, say, people like Asaf, who was a professional singer. Mm. You know, that was his job. That was his paid to do. They had a whole choir that was a professional choir. They were a full-time choir. You don't have that many of those today, but you certainly have a lot of uh, full-time bands that do exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you've got there is kind of a forerunner of modern society in some ways. Yep. Okay, so the work of our hands. The work of our hands comes in many, many different ways and many, many different formats. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. Okay. Psalms 
Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. It's such an interesting book, Ecclesiastes. Chapter 9. Oh, yeah. And verse 10. There you go. Whatever you do, do well. Do with all your might. That's what you wanted to say. Let me down again. (laughs) Let me down again. When you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. All right. So. This is your um, one chance to do things well. This was, this was your one chance for your translation to shine and it's <laughs> failed twice in a row. No, no. There's been a couple of times you have said this one does it better. Once. Twice. Once. Twice. Ah! <laughs> oh, oh, three times. Okay. Never. <laughs> um, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, the Bible says, Whatsoever your hand finds to, your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you are going. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, we do things with our hands. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why it's such a blessing to have hands. Mm-hmm. Certainly have a lot of sympathy for people who are double-hand amputees. And have you ever noticed how people who are double-hand amputees, their brain rewires itself and so they do all of their hand stuff with their feet. It's amazing. It is so incredible mm. to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just and like, then you're like, I could give it a go, and they're like, oh, nope. no, nope. this is not working. You try eating soup <laughs> oh, mm. with your toes rather than your fingers. Not going to happen. Holding the spoon. No. <laughs> you're going to make a mess. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> well, uh, no, I have right. so it's much admiration way. for people oh, yeah. that um, either through accident or um, – you know, as a birth defect or whatever, don't have hands and what they're actually able to accomplish is just off the charts. Mm. But I think just going to the hand thing as opposed to not working with your hands, this really goes into that just what it, what is what is it where your focus is of things that you need to be working on? Because, like, for instance, if I, yeah, I have to do something physically, I actually find that far hard, uh, sorry, far easier to even if it's difficult, be like, okay, but what do I need to do to get through it than something that is heady and academic? And so for me, the challenge is how do you do with all your might the thing that isn't totally tangible? Do you know what I mean? So for me, if I, oh, man, pick anything. If I want to do some woodwork, if I want to cook something, if I want to, I don't know, I have something physical in front of me, hmm, that's a bit wonky. That's not how should it be. Oh, I can't reach that point. Oh, I, you know, whatever it is. All right, but if you've got an assignment, Finish. Mm. It's not clear to me where the college. parameters are of this is done well or this is not. I can be like, this has stressed me out or I've procrastinated and haven't put it work. Do you know what I mean? So this, I think, really goes into what is, what is it, the work that you have to be doing. Okay. I'm just going to say, your brain works over, over time here. Man. You're overthinking this. I'm I think. not. You are. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Minnie and we're talking about Minnie's dodgy translation and... <laughs> That she's been, no. Go on then. <laughs> Go we were, on then. We were disagreeing before we went to the song. Yeah, you're trying to tell me I overthink things. I don't think I do. I disagree with you. You overthink things. I don't. You do. Yeah, I don't. Your brain is a bundle of wires. Everything is connected to everything else. Well, that is accurate. That is accurate. <laughs> People would just be like, yeah, we're talking about this thing. I'm like, yeah, but if we go down this train of thought, which connects here, now we're over here, and now we're, oh, like, whoop, we're over the other field over there. Everything yeah. connects to everything. Yeah, yeah. So much fun. It's like sometimes I go to reply to someone if they make a comment and then I'm like, wait, this did connect to my brain. And I can go back through the steps of how it got there, but it sounds like I'm on a totally different topic. Now, you were overthinking this, but I've lost track. I don't remember what you were I was talking about the whatever your hand finds to do and we were talking about the hands. Is it about yes. physical work specifically or is it about just the work that you have it's to what do, you do in front of you? Yeah, It's what you do. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
But I a long conversation to get there. Yeah, but it's different in my head, okay? It's a different thing. Oh, I love giving <laughs> you a hard time. It needs to be explained. <laughs> Let's go to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 25. Let's all see what right. you can do with this one. All right, all right. <laughs> oh, I was mocking me. <laughs> 21, 21 verse 25. Okay. It says, despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for the hands refuse to work. Okay. Man, got to read it to you from this. Okay, go on then. Right. The desire of the slothful. Nice. So you don't have that word in your translation. I don't. The slothful. <laughs> <clears throat> the desire of the slothful kills him. Oh. For his hands refuse to labor. Mm-hmm. And that's a simple truth right there. Uh, they say that sitting down is the new smoking. Yeah. It actually physically is incredibly bad for you to be slothful and people who work in jobs where you spend a lot of sitting time, sitting down time have to go out and get jobs where they or do exercise, go to the gym, whatever, or, or get a second job where they actually have standing up time. And a lot of people have ditched their office chairs and now work at... Standing desks. Standing desks. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so, they found it so incredibly bad for your health. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you. Says, is, says Lyle. And as we're both sitting here. Both, we both sit in the studio. But it's only for two, three hours yeah, yeah. a day. It's not ages. So this goes down a little little rabbit hole, which is probably not where you're planning to go, but I'm going to take us down there. See, here it goes. Okay. Oh, didn't I tell you? No. Uh-huh. This perfect illustration no. coming up right now. No, no, no. This is actually a side note. But, okay, so we have the lazy who are refusing to work, right? Yes. Oh, your one says a slothful, but this is going to kill them, right? Yes. They just don't want to do any work. So this – looks very different to someone who, for various reasons, it could be health stuff, it could be just a whole range of things, cannot work. That's right. Absolutely. Not talking about people who are disabled. No. So does it speak about those people in the Bible? It has a lot to say Mm. about those people in the Bible. It says that we should support those people. Yes. Um, And so typically those people in the Bible would be beggars. Yeah. Unfortunately. There was a whole uh, social security system that was designed for those people, uh, was often not well attended to, and so they would end up as beggars. And so then the Bible said, okay, when people are in need, you need to give to people who are in need. Yeah, There is a, a right place to support people who are in need and to, you know, to provide for their needs so that they can live a decent life. So I have a question for you then I'm from that. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's incredible that God make. Oh, yep. No, you want to say something? I was going to say how much admiration I have for people who have disabilities and refuse to take a disability pension. Oh, yep. That, yep. Now, I know quite a number of people like that. Like, I've got a mate in a wheelchair. He's uh, paraplegic. Wow. Refused to take a disability pension. He's like, I'm not disabled. <laughs> yeah. Why would I take a disability? I, I can, I've got two hands. Mm hmm. Um, I can do a job. What does he do for work? Um, Sometimes. So he works in the disability field. Yeah, um, nice. You know, building, creating, designing. Um, you know, all kinds of mechanisms for disabled people. Say, for instance, um, he design. One of the things that he works on designing is uh, mechanisms for um, quadriplegic quadri- Plegic people to be able to drive cars. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, so you'll yeah, figure yeah, out yeah. how to make the yeah you know, the clutch, the brake, yeah. accelerator, um, everything work from yeah, the steering column. Yep, yep. 
Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so not just autos either. Mm-hmm. Whoa, hey. Oh, yeah, you want to drive a manual car as a as a quadriplegic, as paraplegic? Yep, go for it. Got you sorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then that kind of goes into where my question was going. So I think it's amazing that God ha- he has set up all kinds of systems for justice and looking after people, right? Yes. We see that consistently. Uh, we see in the early church, is it more through history? Oh, it's in the Bible a bit too, but that early network were really the, I guess we'd say, social services, right? There was no government assistance. There was no – it was the Christians who were like, hey, there's people in our town in need. Absolutely. we got to help them out. That's right. Um, I know I went to India a few years ago and, you know, we have beggars or, you know, people out in the street in Australia, like your cities yeah, and that. But not to the same degree as in some no. of those countries. Like it's just because, because we it, don't have a caste system. Exactly, and there's no option for some of them over there. Like that's that is their life. That's like right. there is no government. They're help. born into that caste. There is no government help. That's mm-hmm. what you do. So that kind of goes into my question: Is it wrong to accept help from the government? Should it still be a system where our church communities are looking after people, or because we have that as a government system, should we use that? Does it matter? I don't know your opinion, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so it's never wrong to take uh, government assistance if mm. the government is providing assistance and you are in genuine need. Mm. Uh, if you're in genuine need, there is nothing wrong with taking assistance wherever that assistance comes from. As a church, we simply need to be wise mm. because if the government is providing assistance in one area, then we need to look for those areas where the government is not providing assistance so that our assistance is goes to the best use. Yeah, absolutely. Because as Christians, I think it's absolutely wrong if we sit back and we say, well, you know, we live in Australia, there's government assistance for everybody, we didn't need to assist anyone. Um, you know, there's certainly there's homeless people out there, but they're homeless by choice. This is Australia, so they're homeless by choice, and so we don't need to help anyone. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is we need to look for areas in which you know, people do need help and, you know, who was it? Was it um, during our interview we were talking about um, uh, that lady here in the Newcastle area doing a course, started, oh, a, yeah, yeah, started yeah. a project for victims of abuse in Papua New Guinea, mm-hmm. which is, you know, at least 20% and probably infinitely higher than that, you know, and so you, you, you've got a whole bunch of cultural issues uh, that are creating that kind of a situation and she's like, you know what? Let's do something about Let's it. Help. And and I would I would give money towards that project mm. before I would give money towards some of the other projects that there are in Australia that the government already provides for. Yes, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. So and that's not to say there's plenty of projects in Australia. Mm. You know, uh bushfires, droughts, that kind of stuff that definitely need, you know, the government's going to kick in and give some support, but they can't give enough. Mm. And so as Christians, you know, we're always called to give. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. Mm, fully. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 16. Okay. Jeremiah 1 and verse 16. Jeremiah 1 says, you know what I appreciate about the Bible is that even if it doesn't give you explicit circumstance of things, it gives you principles. That's right. right. Like even if it doesn't give you, okay, in this situation, when this happens, do this. Yes. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff from their time that's not in ours and vice versa, um, but it still has principles. But this is the principle. That's right. And even when the Bible gives you a specific story, the story is there to establish a principle. The principle, yeah. The the story of the good man and the Samaritan, you might never be in a situation where you are riding on a donkey (laughs) and come across somebody who has been mugged. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and is unconscious on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. You might never have that happen, but the principle applies. Absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah, read it for us real fast. What was the verse 16? 1 verse 16. I pronounce judgment on my people for all their evil, for deserting me and burning incense to other god, gods. Yes, they worship idols made with their own hands. Okay, so our own hands can get us into trouble as well as be a blessing to the world around us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, let's go to Question of the Day. <laughs> so, okay, let's on to that one. The question of the day is, in Revelation 11, who are the two witnesses that are spoken about? Easy. Revelation chapter 11, the Bible says in verse 3, I will give power to my two witnesses. They shall prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are... So now it's going to tell you who they are. Mm-hmm. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. There's your answer. Two witnesses are the two <laughs> olive trees and the two candlesticks standing oh, before the God of the oh, earth. Oh, it's so clear. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've already spoken before though about how Revelation uses quite a lot of symbolism. Yes. So maybe let's break down those symbols. Oh, you want to know who the two yeah. olive trees are now and the two candlesticks? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so first of all, uh, this is not Moses and Elijah. Uh-huh. A lot of people assume this is Moses and Elijah because of what the Bible has to say after this. This is not Moses and Elijah because what you're going to find is that the Bible says that they prophesy in sackcloth for 1,260 days, right? Specific time period. And then they are executed mm. and then they are resurrected. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. You can't die if you are immortal. Right? Yes. Okay, let's think about Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Okay, the Bible says in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 31, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray, and the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his clothing was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory. So Moses and Elijah have been glorified by this point. Philippians 3 verse 21, the Bible says that God will change our vile body that it might be fashioned like his glorious body. Moses and Elijah have been glorified. They have glorified bodies. What does that mean? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51 and 52, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Mm. Moses and Elijah are immortal. You can't die if you are immortal. Mm. So this is not Moses and Elijah. It is related to Moses and Elijah. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. But it is not Moses and Elijah. Okay, so let's look at the identifying characteristics that we have. The Bible describes them as candlesticks, witnesses, prophets, and olive trees. Mm -hmm. What do those four things have in common? When you discover what they have in common, you have your answer. What do candlesticks symbolize? Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Mm-hmm. Candlestick is a symbol of the word of God. What do witnesses symbolize? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. Witnesses is, witness is synonymous with sharing the gospel, the word of God, the gospel. What do the prophets symbolize? Luke 24 verse 27, how is the Bible described? Beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The prophets are the scriptures, the Bible says. 
What do olive trees symbolize? Zechariah chapter 4, which is where this passage is drawn from, uh, verse 1 to 6, and says, and the two olive trees, by it. He says, what are these two olive trees, my Lord? Then he answered and spoke to me, saying, this is, the two olive trees, the word of the Lord. Mm. The two olive trees are the word of the Lord. The prophets are the scriptures. The witnesses is the gospel. And the candlesticks is the word of God. All of the identifying marks point to the word of God, Mm. which comes to us in two witnesses, the Mm -hmm. old and the new witness. More about that tomorrow. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.